Today is November 5th, Season 2, Episode 39. The boys from the back pocket are back. Decky Mustache, how are we? We're feeling good, baby. We got a big episode today. Gino, I forget his, how to spell how to say his last name again, but we, we get it right in the interview. Uh, he's a phenomenal guy, UST professor, East Coast guy, coming from the East Coast out here in the Midwest, Super Bowl, um, head of Super Bowl, marketing, directing, unbelievable website. Andrew, what do you got for us, man? He's an awesome guy. I mean, the conversation we had, he plays in a band. He is really just a dude that lives every day as a gift and is a tremendous man. And we tried to get him on for a long time. And we made it happen. You'll hear it detailed many times throughout that podcast. What else do we got? We got the back end, the ba- the boys from the back pocket, detail on the party, post-party plans, what went well, what went wrong, or what did you learn in a feel-good story. Intro music, it's your time to shine. I'm just in- We're doing it live. We are. Gino, I can't pronounce your last name. Giovanelli. Giovanelli. There you go. There you go. First Declan's time. got my back. I got him locked in. But hey, welcome. How you Thank doing? Thank you. Oh, great. Great. So we welcome you to the Back Pocket Podcast. This is Washington 2.0. Our original studio was on campus oh. right off of uh, Grand and Finn. And Finn. It oh, was sure. Yeah, it was a duplex. But this is the second place and you um, didn't have to travel too far. No. So that's the best part. Yep. St. Thomas Professor. Now we welcome you on to the Back Pocket Podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a long time coming. We we won't get too much into it, but Andrew goes and sees you uh, give a talk about, um, or you actually go to one of his classes and yep, talk about the with, Super Bowl. With uh, Professor Vuelo. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Andrew comes and texts me one day. He goes, dude, look up Gino. I'm like, okay, <laughs> figure it out. And then I, I do my research. I'm like, wow, this guy's a total stud. We tried getting you on. Probably that entire last semester of college. Yeah, because it was that first semester of fall right. of uh, my senior year, yep. and you were full force on the Super Bowl website. Totally. You were yep. too busy. And yep. then uh, I think next thing came another, just timing didn't work out, but... Well, you know, it turned into senior night. That's what it was. When okay. I ran into you guys at Yes, yes. <laughs> that was my pitch. That's what we said. We got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> that, and then Tommy Johnny. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's too funny. The, the yeah. random places we just yeah. run into each other yeah. and we're like, all right, we got to figure out time. We got to figure out time. We got it. I uh, never hesitated to like throw the business card and was like, hey, <laughs> put the name of the face, like really drill it down. So I apologize if it was like, man, no, this I podcast kid won't leave me alone. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect, man. Well, hey, let's uh, let's start with the background real quick. Sure. Just a little bit of background, how you got from, uh, you know, your your life to being a uh, teacher oh at St. Thomas. How long do we have? Oh, from however long you need, man. Okay, um, maybe it's it starts on the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey, yeah. uh, where you know Italian people live. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a stranger in a strange land out here in Minnesota. I swear to God, this is like a creature, you know, like a, a, yeah, just a, a strange place to kind of land after you've been on the East Coast your mm-hmm. whole life, for sure. Um, but I basically grew up in New Jersey. I um, went to college at Bucknell, Pennsylvania. Uh, I got an engineering degree, mechanical engineering degree. That's right. Is that what you are? Yeah, me and you. Okay, perfect. So um, kind of grew up, my dad was a technical guy. He worked for Johnson & Johnson. He was actually the, the chief uh, information officer for J&J, believe it or not. Oh, right on. Wow. So he was constantly bringing stuff home as a kid. Uh, we, you know, one he, They were moving from mainframes to, to, to PCs, basically. And one day he brought home this computer. And he said, uh, I got something for you. And I said, what? He showed it to me. And, I was like, and I kind of looked at him like, 
what am I supposed to do with this? Like, like clean it or what? Like, what, what do you, what <laughs> do you big do? Because at the time, I mean, computers were like the size of a refrigerator, mainframes. Mm -hmm. And now this like box. And I'm like, so he didn't really know what to do with it either. So he's like, I don't know. Do you want to take it apart? I'm like, sure. Well, you know, Phillips had screwdriver and 25 minutes later, it's in a thousand pieces, right? right? It's easy to take something apart until Sunday night came around. And he's like, um, I need you to put that together. I got to bring it back to the office. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I had no idea that was part of the deal. So I was like, Dad, don't bring home any more technology. This yeah, I, there's no um, way you're getting that back together. Exactly. Yeah, oh my gosh. But then he kept bringing it home. And finally, I started playing around with it. And, and sure enough, I'm starting to play games with people in Korea and people in wherever, you know, mm -hmm. uh, playing like solitaire and then doing like scavenger hunt kind of game. Hunt the Wumpus. I'm playing with some guy from like, you know, New Zealand. And I'm like, I realized I liked what technology offered more than I liked technology for technology's sake. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's when I started to realize, I'm like, I really like what you can do. Not what it does, but what you can do with it. And the, and the, and the people side of it. The fact that I can, I can be playing this game with some, I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl over in the other side of the world, and mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're working on it, like we're playing a game together. So it's like the Fortnite back in you know nineteen seventy three. For sure. But it's it's catch like, the wampus. Yeah, hunt, hunt the wampus. Hunt, hunt the wampus. Hunt the wampus. <laughs> um, but anyway, had a, had a passion for technology, and you know, sure enough, next thing you know, I'm I'm studying engineering. Uh, I remember my dad and had me have lunch with an electrical engineer, civil engineer, chemical, you know, all the different kinds. Mm -hmm. of, and this is in high school. This was in high school. Yeah. Okay. So he, I'd have lunch with you know one different per, you know different uh, discipline every week, and I remember thinking like, I want to be a mechanical engineer. My dad's like, why? I'm like. Because the guy was cool. I liked what he had to say, not what he did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yep. I almost liked him more than what he studied. And I almost wanted to just become an engineer because I liked him so much, which kind of solidified I love relationships. Um, so next thing you know, now I'm a mechanical engineer at Bucknell. And the college search at Bucknell... Yes. Um, just to kind of touch on that, yeah. Declan and I both looked at Buck now sure. because his mom oh, really? grew up in Philadelphia. Oh my gosh! And yeah. my dad went out to school in the East Coast, oh, so we, like that yeah. was pushed on us. Like uh -huh. you gotta, you gotta get the vibes of an East Coast lifestyle because yep. that will. It's not. It's like going to France for a year. Like you're getting those totally different right. perspectives on life. Totally, and there's mm -hmm. so many good engineering schools right in that area, Lehigh and Penn and all of it. It's that um, whole Patriot League, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I landed there. Um, and I, I, I did well at it, but I didn't, I didn't love it. And I had a feeling that might happen. And <laughs> every year that went by, I, I just, it was like a, I was like a fighter in a, in a, in a boxing match. I'm like, I'm not going down. I mean, it was hard. It was brutal. Um, and I'm just at my senior year. I'm like, I got to finish cause I can't give up, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I almost didn't want to finish cause I didn't want to do more of that. I didn't want to have another, another fight, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, ironically, I got a, a scholarship to get a master's degree in engineering, and I just I said I, I can't I can't do it. I, I just can't do this again. Mm -hmm. So I got onto this um, program to study abroad. My fifth year of college, I, I I left campus and went to Vienna and studied. No kidding. Yeah, it was Very weird because cool. I had a total mutiny. I'm like I'm, I I got to get out of here. But I was a, I was a senior, and I had no job because I was expecting to get the master's the year after, and I basically walked away from it. And I remember going to the Dean of Engineering. I'm like, I just turned down this scholarship. I don't know what I'm going to do. She goes, well, why don't you study abroad? You've always wanted to do that. Mm. As an engineering major, you couldn't. So get your degree done and then go, go overseas. So I studied in Vienna. Took music. I took art. I took history. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all this stuff. 
that I never got to take. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally opposite uh, of thermodynamics. Thermo, thermo goddamnits is what we called it, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, and then ironically, I met my wife who was at Gustavus and she was studying in Vienna. That's wow. why I'm here, uh, right? Same program? Same program. So okay. I met her the first day, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we traveled around together, whatever. Love at first sight, man. Totally. You know, and ironically, I'm bringing a bunch of students down to Latin America in, in January. Nice. So we're going around the room and everyone's talking about, what well, I, I studied abroad, I went here, I went there. And I'm like, well, last time I studied abroad, I met my wife. <laughs> so all these <laughs> students are like, no guarantee that's going to happen to you guys. But anyway, uh, short story long, um, ended up coming back from Vienna. Um, kept in touch with my wife a little bit. We were dating at the time. I bought a ring and, and drove, literally bought a ring and drove out here. Went to Philly. Yeah, wow. Went to Philly. Okay. Told my sister, I'm going to meet you down there. We're going to go get a ring. I need my big sis to help me you know, negotiate the ring purchase. All right. And then I, Thanksgiving weekend, just got in the car and drove out here. And you became a Midwesterner. I did. It was a, it was a very nice welcome gift. I got here. You know, it was that Thanksgiving with the snowfall. Really bad. First day, I pulled in not far from here, right up on uh, Fremont. 28th and Fremont. Okay. Where oh, my wife right lived. Yeah, yeah. Re- literally. And I parked on the side of the road. I went in. Next morning, I had a ticket because of the snow. Yeah. Mm, snowplow. So, snowplow thing. I'm like, welcome to freaking Minnesota. <laughs> so the next day, I, well, that day, I moved my car to the other side of the road. Guess what happened the next day? You're on the wrong side. I got, a, I got <laughs> another <laughs> ticket. So back to back. I'm like, welcome to the Midwest. Um, but anyway, settled in here. Um, um, then I, I got out of, yeah, when I got out of college, what did I do? I sold. If you don't like engineering, right? What do you do? You sell something that requires an engineering background. So I sold plant automation computer systems for a long time and realized I didn't love that either, but I did love the relationship part. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you went yeah. through that whole process, oh my gosh, yeah. like yeah, crazy. And it, so- it sounds like you you had early like sightings or feelings of like, hey, maybe engineering's not the thing for me. But you even leveraged that into your sales degree or sales yep. engineering position. Yep. And, I mean, did something like click right then and there? You're like, okay, I got to go back and get my MBA, or was it? Yeah, I, I knew I needed to to find a, a discipline that I that I loved a little more. Okay, like I'm glad I got the engineering degree. There's no, but it was it was it was it was brutal. But I'm glad I got it. It's like I I think of it like it teaches you how to solve problems, and everybody's mm-hmm. got to solve problems. Yeah. Or or like calisthenics, like nobody does push-ups to be a really good push-up doer. Mm-hmm. You know, you do push-ups so you could throw a ball further, or you could, you know hit a ball harder or whatever it is so that's what i kind of equated engineering to so i'm like now i got to find a sport that i love i know i i i i know how to be an athlete i just got to find a sport i love and it goes back to what i tell students when i advise them i'm like try to find stuff that you are good at that you love to do because sometimes those aren't the same for example engineering i was i was really good at it i just didn't love it and the other part of me i'm a drummer and i love it but I'm not that good at it. You know, not good enough that it could be a career. Sure. So when you can find the things that you love, that you are good at, that, that to me is what I was looking for. So I, I went to MBA school to learn marketing. I'm like, oh, this stuff is cool. And I, and I like marketing. The one that I really found, though, that took me till I was 50 was teaching. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. And I also think I'm good at it. And when that's the case, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, it just, it's... I'm the happiest guy in the world. I mean, I love my job. You are not looking at a miserable person. Like when I drive to the St. Paul campus at you know 6:30 in the morning for my eight o'clock class, I just have a big smile on my face driving east through 94. You know, coming through downtown and all that. I just mm-hmm. 
But it, it took me a while. It took me a while to figure it out. So I, I kind of was bouncing around, just trying to figure out what do I love that I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And finally, when it happens, it's one of those, you'll know it when you see it. It's like, I, I didn't know it when I saw it. I guest spoke a couple of years ago for yes for, for Volo's class. Okay. I think it was Steve's class. And I'm like, God, if I could figure out how to do this for a living, this is good stuff. You guess, you were a guest speaker I was a guest in speaker. his class, yeah, so and that Volo, led to becoming a exactly. teacher. Exactly. Volo and I worked at Caribou together. He goes, okay. he's teaching integrated marketing, yep. communications. And he goes, hey, I need someone to kind of punch the digital, which we made a we joke about that, punch the digital. Like week seven, I would come in and do digital. And and I really enjoyed it. But after I did it a couple of years, I'm like, this needs to be its own class. And so we got we got that teed up at St. Thomas. They let me have my own class. I remember it was like Thanksgiving weekend and they, we were trying to get the class approved for the spring. And I remember Professor Heyman, did you, either one of you guys have him? I wasn't able, no. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> he, was, he, was, he was awesome. Crazy guy, right? Smartest guy I think I've ever met. I remember him calling me on Thanksgiving weekend and said, good news, bad news. Good news is your course is approved. The bad news is you're going to teach it in January. And this was Thanksgiving oh. weekend. I know. So I was like, it oh a grind. God. And I'm like, and he's like, we got to find a textbook in like a day. I'm like, why? He goes, because you got to order it. It's got to be put in the bookstore. I'm like, so we spent about a half a day looking for a textbook. Couldn't find one. So I just wrote it. I literally wrote the course. I wrote actually about half of it and then started the course in January. Yeah, and jumped into it. Gave and yourself the two-week two buffer. Two-week two week buffer. <laughs> and as long as you're at one day ahead or two days ahead, nobody yep. has to know any different. And then you could think on the fly and come up with new content. You weren't stuck in stone. Well, a little yeah. bit. I mean, I think I, in the perfect world, I think I would have written the whole thing before. I okay. But, but, you know, when, when you have to do it, you have to do it. Yeah. You know, and now I've written, you know, at least three or four classes from scratch. No textbook. None mm -hmm. of the classes have textbooks. And that's the way I, I love to do it. And that January was the first time you were ever a professor in that in any type of setting, or, yeah, or was there inklings been, of that before? Oh prior? yeah, you know, in, in Vienna I taught English. Okay. In a high school, in an Austrian high school, and I did junior achievement when I came back, and I just I kind of just knew I loved to teach. Even when I I worked at Radisson Hotels, and I was trying to do you know bring digital into the hotel business model, and mm -hmm. and the hoteliers were kind of the last ones to kind of get on board with that. Mm -hmm. So I'd go out on the road and teach hoteliers how to market themselves online. And I wrote a book called Winning on the Web, and I was selling it at conferences and, and speaking and doing breakouts. I just realized pretty, pretty soon on I loved to teach. I mean, that's how I know I know it. I had a really good buddy of mine in college who was a wrestler. He's also, he's also an engineer. And he would be gone all the time and he, for wrestling matches, and he'd come home like on a Sunday, and he'd be like, dude, I'm hosed. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn everything, and then I'm going to teach it to you on Sunday. Wow. And if I can teach it to you on Sunday, then I know I know it. And then he's like, good, because I need someone to teach it to me because I've been gone all week at wrestling matches. Yeah. And that's kind of when I, it started to set that I was like, you know what? I like this teaching stuff. How cool is it, though? I mean, like the, the, the art of teaching and coaching, the ability to take your mind and your yeah. thoughts yeah. and putting it down into a way and a format for everyone else to be, have the ability to comprehend it. It's one of the most challenging things because you're like, this is how I see it. Now I have to prove to other people they can see it the same way or their own variation yeah, yeah. and then have the ability to absorb that information and take it in their own yeah, format. Right. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's it can be tricky, though, too. I mean, yes. unfortunately, when you teach undergrads, you, you guys are about the same age and you're in the same space in life. Uh, teaching executive education at St. Thomas, you don't know who you're going to get. You don't know your audience as well. Oh, you know, you might find out that three quarters of the people are in transition between jobs. Sure. Or that 80% are B2B and 20% B2C, and the last time it was the reverse. And you literally have to 
teach on the fly to all these different audiences, Jeez. like in real time, mm. which is crazy. Which is why I'm glad I don't have a book either, because I can just pivot. Yep. You know, as got you a know. lot of flexibility. Yeah. Did you, uh, you know, I actually show up to your class once um, oh, yeah. for the yeah. Winstrip project, yeah. Yeah. and just like seeing how you ran your class was super cool. Um, because it's just a semester-long course. For, it is. Uh, what, what's the name of that class? By the That's way? called Interactive Marketing, soon to be renamed Digital Marketing. Okay. Yeah. So that class is, to give a little background for mm-hmm. the marketing interns, it's um, it's basically a full semester where you take a company and mm-hmm. they have a goal, um, whether it's you know selling this many yep. um, articles of clothing or whatever, and then you have to generate a market plan from start to finish and right. present it at the end of the semester. That's right? exactly what you do. Okay. And you take everything you learned in class, and you apply it to this business concept that you're working on. Right. So it's, it's funny because it's like a, a steamroller of, of content coming at you in the first half of the semester, and then the second half you're, you're applying it to this business mm-hmm. that you've either created or you're working on for somebody else's benefit. Yeah, and like I really wanted to ask you this question. It was um, just through Andrew and I starting this <clears throat> podcast, and like we're starting to get a lot of uh, – you know, not popularity, but just finding a lot more St. Thomas kids who are, you know, crushing it with a, a company that they have, whether it's like Skyline Specs or sure. Love Your Melon or right, Buddy's right. Nut Butter. Like, there's all kinds of startups that come out of St. Thomas. Why do you think that is? What, um, say the question. In terms of, in terms of like, companies started oh. from St. Thomas. Oh. I always like to attribute it to the School of Entrepreneurship, but there, I feel like there's just all kinds of different uh, reasons why it's specifically St. Thomas? That is, that's a really interesting question because I do because I, I, I used to teach at the U as well. Yeah, um, and and now I'm here and I am amazed at how many students kind of have that entrepreneurial bug. Yeah, and I think you know in my class we have this semester long project where they have to create a company or find a company, and I think they like to work on something semester long that is that is real and that it's um, it's not just quizzes and tests and multiple choice. It's mm-hmm. It's applying what we're learning to real businesses. And I think if we can give students really good um, group projects to work on uh, that, are, that are real businesses, I think it, it, starts to, it starts to kind of plant a seed. I remember I did a, for my MBA class, I did a, um, a group project. It, now this is back like, you know, 1990, like two or three or whatever. We weren't even born then. Yeah, right. And, and Sorry. <laughs> um, and it was this project where we had this dual screen monitor so that if you had two programs open at the same time, you could split your screen. And I mean, obviously, you could do that today. Yeah. But this was way back when. And I remember the teacher came up to me because we made prototypes and all kinds of stuff. And she came up to me and she goes, you're not actually going to present your project, are you? I'm thinking, oh, my God, did she not love it? Did she? Is it? Is it terrible? And she goes, no, you don't want to give that away, do you? I'm like, oh. I'm like, no, I don't want to give it away, and I'd rather not present it. Um, but I, I think because you, when you work on real projects for 17 weeks, you and you kind of see what it would take to actually run it. Because mm-hmm. the students coming out of this project develop a strat, a digital marketing strategy, and a marketing plan for a business. Mm-hmm. That business can 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 go. I mean, you can just roll with it. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is to answer the question. I think a lot of it is in the assignments we give. That are hopefully real. Mm-hmm. That plant the seed. Like I just need to get some money because even the presentation that you went in, that you that you were there for. The reason mm-hmm. you were there for is I want the students to present to their clients, either investors or the executives, for the purposes of getting them to agree to to fund it. Right. And if they're up there speaking confidently about what they think needs to happen, and and like 
yeah, you just need a real audience with real checkbooks, and you could do that. Right. So, you know, I think I think it's part of that is just empowering students with really cool. Um, you know, in my case, in my case, digital marketing things. We like you guys. We could be on. We can be in business tonight on a whole new business model. For sure. We could, but we could build a site in a couple hours. We could buy keywords. We could be looking at Google Analytics tonight. You know, in my class, every student builds a website. And I'm like, be careful. You know, if most of them do that to promote themselves as like their brand to employers, mm -hmm. but a lot of people build websites to promote a business idea they've always had, and they publish the website. And all of a sudden, they start getting leads. Like I had one, so a woman actually was she was an employee of St. Thomas built a site, and it was uh, she always wanted to be a, an event planner, so she built in one day she built this website. That night she got three leads from Google. I'm like, you know, you're you're in business, so mm -hmm. be careful. Don't don't publish unless you're ready to go. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's, it is real. Mm -hmm. And in, in digital, we don't we, we don't need a six month startup. We need to, we need a couple days. Yep. So. And I think you're absolutely right, and Declan can attest to it. The uh, the curriculum that St. Thomas has is super involved in um, real world um, complications. Like with Declan had a, a year long project with Winstrip. Mm -hmm. I had a sem another semester long project with uh, Boy Scouts of America with yep. Professor Owens doing a project management oh, course. Ernie. Yep, Ernie. He was, oh, he's awesome. He's the bomb. Yeah, he's yeah. The, I might he might have the best voice in all of St. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the best shoes. And the best shoes. Yes. <laughs> He dressed to the nines every day. Yep. Um, but it was so cool, like being put in those situations and having to help out a company uh, for a semester or, in Declan's case, for a year. Right. I think that was right. a challenge that we needed and in kind of a safer space. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's real. I mean, not, not to get so academic in this, in this podcast, but that, that digital strategy that you saw, 70% mm -hmm. of companies that do digital marketing every day do it without a strategy. Mm. Which is like if, if we were coaching baseball, we just said, hey, everyone, just run out in the field. Go get, go get in a position. You could have like eight kids go to shortstop. Nobody in right field. Nobody a catcher. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you would never do that. You'd never play baseball without having a strategy of who's going to play where and, mm -hmm. you know, batting order, very strategic versus, you know, just line up. If, if you just yep. ask, you know, 12 teenagers to, to go bat, they're all going to just fight for the who's going to bat first. Mm -hmm. Um this, this, what we do is real and real companies need it. And, and I tell the students, I'm like, there's a reason that nobody does this and it's because it's hard. So we're going to do hard things, but you're going to come out and you're going to be able to, in a job interview, you're going to say, Hey, how's your, when the, when the, when the employer says, do you have any questions for us? I want you to say, yeah, do you have a digital marketing strategy? And then they go, 70% are going to say no. And you're going to say, oh, so you're not doing any digital. And they're going to say, no, we are. Oh, interesting. You don't have a strategy. You know, well, I've done one, and I've done one for a real business, and I'd love to show it to you. And they can pull it out and show it out, and, and just, right. it, it's gorgeous. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just well thought through. It's you know, it's twelve weeks worth of work, and you say to the employer, if you want to start taking command of what you're doing and doing the right things versus things you could do, you do the things you should do. Here's how: hire me, and I'll do it. Yeah. And so that's what they do. What's crazy is like you're you're hitting it right in the head. I went to see Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you oh, know who yep. he is. And he was just screaming, like, yep. like literally, like, hey, you need to use Facebook ads. You need to use Facebook ads for your business. And I had already, we had already been doing Facebook ads since June and just kind of throwing it out there. Like, sure. how, do, how does this work? Yeah. How are we going to monetize? How does this build an audience? Whatever. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, like, probably a month ago when we realized, okay, okay, it's great to, like, throw 20 bucks a week at it and just kind of throw ads up. Right. But, like, if there's no plan behind it, you're not going to get anything done. Right. It's a lot of arm waving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you right. know? Well, and a lot of the students, I ask them, yeah. I'm like, 
uh, anybody have internships? And about you know half raised their hand. I'm like, anybody doing interns internships in digital? And like the same half raised their hand. I'm like, okay, great question. Uh, or I have a question for you. Why are you taking this class if you're already doing it in your job? You know what they say? Because we don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but you have an internship in it, right? Like, yeah. Well, why did they hire you? Because we, because they think we know how to do it. Yeah. Because we're young. Right. And I'm like, you know, and the imposter syndrome has got to be terrible. You know, like, it's like I notice in the syllabus we're going to cover social in week eight. Is there any way we could do this like today? Because I've got to go to work this afternoon. Yeah. And the, the the irony is that the students are being thrown into these situations. And the, and the employers are are assuming they know what how to do this because they're active users because yeah. they're young yeah, they're young yeah you know that's like saying I, I I love looking at pictures that doesn't make me a good photographer you know it's like yeah. oh this person must be good on social media they have a thousand written it's like no that just means they're a consumer of it they're not a marketer of it right. so it's 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 pretty revealing taking a quick break here uh, just want to get you guys in touch with where we're at uh, full transparency with the back pocket right now we are doing some market research. We're trying to get um, a better understanding of who our audience is. And with that, we are uh, releasing a survey. Where can and, they find this survey, Duck? Oh, they can find it in the description of this podcast or this YouTube or even in uh, any of our social media pages. On our website, yourbackpocketswithans.com. Absolutely. And it's all there. It takes about five minutes. Uh, fill something out or fill it out, please, for us. It would help us greatly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Social media can get it, it brings the truth out of every single person, whether you're using it or using it as a business platform. Yeah. And uh, one thing that we like to do on the back pocket is, sure. is bring the truth out of someone in an average sense. <clears throat> so yeah. this is our core question, a question we ask every guest. Okay. What is your average quality? And we kind of framed it a little bit mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the show notes. Sure. Uh, but it's something you do well at times and other times you don't do it as, as so well. Sure. At the end of the day, this is your wildly average attribute, habit, emotion, yep. something along those it, lines. I know exactly what it is. It's this, it's this balance of learning and teaching mm. where um, we always say in digital, we go to bed smart, we wake up dumb because the things change so <laughs> fast. And if, and if I'm in a period of time where I'm doing a lot of teaching – then I'm not working as much with clients. And where I learn is with the clients because we're doing things and we're trying things and we're, we're tweaking and we're researching what the opportunities are. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm in those windows, like with the Super Bowl, like you know, in the summers, I could really dig in, or even in January between semesters, really dig in. And, um, and, and, and we, we learn so much on the fly with, with digital. Um, but then when I get into the heart of the semester and I'm not doing much client work and I'm teaching, Stuff's flying by. Things are changing in the marketplace. And then I've got to wait till kind of the summer to sort of get, you know, uh, immersed in it again. So mm -hmm. I'm constantly in this balance of, of teaching what I know and learning what I need to know. And teaching what I know and learning what I need to know. And unfortunately, I, I can't do it where I give like three days a week to learning and two days a week to teaching. Mm. Uh, it, it actually worked a little bit better when I was an adjunct. I only taught one class a semester. Yeah. So I was literally working, you know, Full time with clients, and then I'm just able to just, which is when I wrote all the classes for the most part. Right. Um, now it's harder when I'm teaching full time because then I teach you know two undergrad classes and MBA class, so yep. I don't have much client time left. Um, so constantly in that balance, that's the bugger. It's it's very humbling, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And and with digital, it's really hard because again, you go to bed smart, you wake up in the morning dumb, and mm -hmm. you got to go. You got to be willing to admit that 
you know your stuff's old and you gotta you gotta you gotta break it and learn the learn the next thing yep but the yeah. fact that you're like already identifying that man that's i mean we find that out every single day and that's really what's rooted mm. in the average quality mm -hmm. is right. just like yo man i woke up today i'm really bad at parallel parking getting better at it for tomorrow right and just kind of that mindset of always um locking in and identifying it because you know the next time like you're never going to make the same mistake twice oh for sure and that's how right. i right. kind of look at it but um for i think could you learn from your students like you said making learning from you learn so much from your clients well yep. i mean a lot of what teaching is is listening it is yeah is there any sort of learning or anything you grasp from the students for sure i i learn how to be a better teacher from the from the students okay uh, and then sometimes in the internships when they um, they'll bring up some things that they're doing that I have that I haven't heard about. But for the most part, with the undergrads, I learn from them how to be a better communicator, better educator. And my MBAs is a little different. I mean, I could have an MBA, a student in my class who's a VP of digital, and it's awesome because we, you know, we talk about counter viewpoints and alternative views. I mean, it's it is it's more like a um, what do you could just a lot more active at the MBA school. It's, undergrads, it's a little bit more like, oh wow, that's really interesting how you do that. Yeah. But the the MBAs are they got their chops, you know. And I'm like, oh, I love it. So I I learn a lot about digital from more from my MBAs. In, in all fairness, right? Yeah. Uh, but I but I love the undergrads because they teach me how to be a better teacher. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so you mentioned clients. So yeah. we wanted to touch on you oh, know yeah. obviously your Super Bowl website. We got to just unpack that a little bit because uh -huh. it's crazy. It, it is sounds crazy. like a. I can't uh, believe we did it. I yeah. honestly can't. So kind of, I know you. It was almost like uh, I was reading an article yeah. where you found out about this like four years before the Super Bowl. Three. Yeah. Three. Three. I, I, yeah. Oh, it's as soon as they got the bid. Okay. Um, at the time, it was the the CEO of the host committee. Um, Maureen Bausch, and then Wendy Blackshaw, who was the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing. And I think there was like an admin kind of function. And that was about, there was like three of them in a little uh, office in the city center. And uh, I got a call from Wendy uh, Blackshaw, who's again, the VP of Sales and Marketing. And she had been at Sun Country, and I had, a couple years earlier, had done a website for her there at Sun mm. Country. So um, They could use some improvement. <laughs> I mean, you get what you, you get what you pay for. That's enough said. Fair. Um, <laughs> what about spear? Uh, well, we won't get. We don't need to get. Now, do they <laughs> still have the really good cheeseburgers? Because that was one of their big things on the flights. They had these yeah. really awesome burgers, right? We there. Yeah. yeah. We we took a flight down to Mexico and. Oh, I, were it, you it, part of that? Okay. I was part of that. It was. Anyway, so Wendy Wendy was there, and then and my time there was awesome. It was very entrepreneurial. It just it felt like just a handful of people. Just I mean, that marketing department has like three people in it. I mean, you might think that's like a, like thirty country. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Damn. I mean, so it's 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 all hands on deck. Very entrepreneur. Yep. Had a blast. So anyway, Wendy had asked me at that time to build her that website. And I had my crew come in and do that. And it was a blast. We had a great time. So when she went to the Super Bowl, she said, I need you to do that again. She goes, I have to raise all this partnership sponsorship money. I cannot like be bogged down with approving wireframes for homepages and building websites and stuff like that. So... Um, she asked me to come in and, and help her, and of course, I, and I love her. I mean, she's just she's been great, and she's great to work with, and we work really well together. Uh, so she asked me to come in, and I'm like, um, I'm a full-time professor now, and uh, um, but we made it work. And I honestly, it's like I can't rem I can't remember big chunks of that project because 
it was crazy. I was teaching full time, yeah. and I was at that Super Bowl host office all the time, mm-hmm. doing the website and a lot of search and some email when they needed help. But it was, and it was, it was fun. It was, I was in a, like a war room with a bunch of twenty somethings. I was like the old guy in the room, like, hey, who who brought their dad to work today? Kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I never felt so old in all my life. But with really talented, really hardworking, fully committed. Um, just the team at, at the host office. I remember it was we're coming up on um, one of the long holidays, and I'm like, "Hey, are you guys working on you know President's Day?" And they're like, "Gina, we've been going seven day weeks for a couple months now." You know, like, <laughs> "Oh, I mean," and, and I've never seen a group of people work so hard. Um, but it was very much an all hands on deck kind of environment. Right. But I was somehow teaching and getting down there, and I I honestly don't remember how that happened. It's just. But it was the funnest project I've ever been on. And how much interaction with like NFL executive NFL employees? Yeah, not, for is, me, not too much. Not too much. I mean, yeah. I, the, a couple pages on the site had to be approved, like the homepage for sure, and, okay. and, the, and the partnership page, and mm-hmm. the, you know. Uh, but that was mostly done between the host committee and the NFL. So, sure. so the kind of the grounding is you've got the NFL, mm-hmm. then you've got the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee, which mm-hmm. is a group of. It ended up growing to about fifty, maybe sixty people here that sort of run the. Their hands on the, you know, the party planners. Yeah, and they're planning the, you know, the 200 concerts we had and the the 52 weeks of going around the state and raising money, and they're in charge of all. I mean, the game is the game, and that was the big difference from from the other Super Bowls. Is the other ones, you know, they have a game, and our we had a game. Their game was on one day. We had a game on one day, but we we made it into 52 weeks. Sure. Uh, and then we made it instead of in one city, you know, a game on one day in one city, we had it to be 52 weeks in the whole state. Yep. Oh, and it was yeah. the Minnesota Super Bowl. It wasn't the Minneapolis Super Bowl. So that that meant every every week we had to recognize a, um, you know, a hero Minnesotan and a business and a restaurant and an attraction and a Super Bowl moment, and all oh. that content had to be up on the website. It was like 900 page website. Wow. Oh yeah. No way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably close to a thousand pages. Oh. What was the interaction like? Uh, what at its peak? Uh, Seventy thousand people were on it the day of the Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl, I think it was seventy. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's quick. That thing yeah. shuts down quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember the the day after the Super Bowl, I went to the office because that's kind of the pattern. Every day you're there. Yeah. And I literally almost broke my teeth because I got to the door to just swing it open and it was locked. And already I started seeing on Facebook a lot of the interns were already heading back to wherever they came wow. from. I mean, that thing shut that shut down fast. So what is yeah. like the – did you have a question? Go ahead. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the mindset behind a digital marketer. So, mm. I mean, we could sit here and talk about yep. all the different strategies, all the different yep. things you're doing, but I really want to tap into the mindset. What kind of mindset does it take to be a successful digital, digital marketer? You know what? The first thing you do is take the word digital off. There you go. You know what? It's marketing. It's it, it, whatever whatever in the, is in the mindset of a marketer. Digital is just a different some different tools. You know, you got you got your you know screwdriver and your hammer and all that. And the digital guy has this other thing that gives him the, or her the ability to do something a little bit differently. But you're still going after the four P's of marketing. It's it's all the fundamentals are still there. Okay. So and, and a lot of people kind of think that the digital things you got to put those guys over there because they they live in a different world. It's like, no, we don't live in a different world. We live in the marketing world. We just do it differently. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, a lot of companies would kind of push those the digital guys into a different area of the building. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of lots of reasons, you know, good and bad for that. But you know, my my thought now is that it's just it's just marketing. So whatever a marketing person does when they get out of bed is what what we do when we get out of bed. We just go to market really fast, and and we and 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 differences we. 
we don't plan our campaigns as detailed as a traditional marketer were. Like you think about a brochure. Let's say you guys want to do a brochure for this podcast. You would meticulously pick the cover image and the photo and the color and the, and the copy. And then you'd have to like kind of make a final decision and that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't get to change it. Right. And so whenever you sign off on that brochure and you go out and you make, you know, a thousand copies of it, your work's done. Yep. In digital, we don't do it that way. We narrow it down to maybe four or five image, you know, photos, four or five uh, taglines, four or five calls to action, and then we start putting it in the market and we see which one's working better. So our, our work comes kind of after, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a big adjustment. So these planning people that do all the work and then they, they pencils down, high five, you know, pizza in the break room and, and cake and, 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 and everybody celebrates, good job, way to go. We we don't do it that way. We 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 do plan, but we don't we don't lock anything down. It's like the Super Bowl when you have the two teams that have two weeks to prep for the biggest game of the season. You know how many how many plays they call in advance? They have two weeks. They know who they're going to play, and they know it's the biggest game of the year. They got all the tape in the world on these teams. You know how many plays they call in advance? They script the first ten, I believe. One play. First play. First play. Because what happens after that? What's yeah. the second play based on? Mm-hmm. First play. So if you got seven yards on the first down, you're probably going to run the second down. Mm. But if you got two yards on the first down, you're probably going to pass. I mean, so so why lock yourself in? So it's just it's a little bit of a mind shift. And the other thing is this notion of failing fast, winning big. Mm. You know, try something. If it doesn't work, then then move on quick. Mm-hmm. Don't hide. Don't try to find some number that makes it look like it wasn't so bad. Admit it and move on. I used to work, I was a consultant at, at Lifetime Fitness. The CEO there, Brahma Crotty, he'd, he'd literally stop you in the hall and he'd say, what, what have you failed at today? And if you go, I haven't failed at anything, he's like, well, then you're not working hard enough. I want you to fail, but I want you to fail quickly yep. and move on to the next thing. You know, if you're at the roulette table and red's cold, go black. If the, if the roulette table stinks, go play poker. I mean, move it around. So from a planning perspective, it doesn't work so well. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Fun. It's yeah. fun. And yeah. how long was it, like you inside that industry? How long did it take for you to realize that you had the ability to adapt and you didn't need to be locked, set in stone? Is that kind of like a transition period with technology and you were flowing with that? Or did that was there kind of like an aha moment with a team or inside a company? I think that started even back in engineering school. Because when I got to Bucknell, I remember them saying that dra- the drafting course was the, was the weed out course. Hmm. Drafting like... Pencils yeah, literally draw. Learning how yeah, to draw. Yeah, is what it is. And, and and when I got there, they they canceled that class and got us into CAD, but it took them four years to get that course ready. Yeah. So they they just shifted. So I started to see right away in college that how quickly technology was moving, and we were using, um, you know, the, the, even every year the computers that we got were just like dramatically better. Mm-hmm. Right. And I kind of saw like, oh my gosh, everything's moving so fast. That I kind of got used to, it, and I kind of like that. I mean, I'm a lifelong learner. I mean, look at me. I studied engineering. I went into sales. Went from sales to entre- oh, I did a startup dot com mm-hmm. business, right? right? Then I went into marketing. Then I went into teaching. Okay, so, so it's like this is I love pivoting. You're yeah. a drummer, man, and I'm a drummer. Yeah. And this is like okay. Yeah. I asked that question, and it was the, it, I that answer fired me up. I mean. The whole time I've been processing, okay, he started off with his dad giving him a computer and yep. he broke it down and then he took his broke time. It, yeah. yeah, broke it pretty much and didn't have the ability to fix it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it led him to 
interviewing three different people, um, electrical yep, yep. engineering, mechanical engineering, yep. and then he picked his school, picked his um, major inside it. I mean, every single thing that I've heard and Declan that we've heard and our marketing interns are hearing right now, you um, had the willingness to prepare in a sense and then try something and do it for enough time to the mm-hmm. point of having the craft, but you're also building all of those relationships. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, someone that you built that relationship with came and tapped you on the shoulder and like, hey, you ever thought about doing this? Right. Hey, I love you for this. Right. And then you were, and then you took that next step. Right. I mean, how cool is it the stuff that you tried new for the first time and then you're like, all right, I love teaching. And you tried it in Italy for the first time. Right. And then it, it came full circle sure. with Professor Vuela to asking you to step in on a class, something right. like that. Right. I mean, that's something that fires me up in, in a sense of with this podcast to continue to push myself and ourselves mm-hmm. to do something like that because we know five years in the future someone could tap us on the shoulder Absolutely. and be like, you did you did this for me. That was really cool, and you're, and now you're even better at it. Can you help me out again right. or something along right. those lines? And, and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, that's cliche, but it's 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 so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then people will, will want you to help them because they know that you're used to dealing with chaotic situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing I say. I'm, I'm, I'm at my best when things are at their worst. Mm-hmm. If, if, if companies are in trouble, that's when I do my best. And, you know, and to some degree, the Super Bowl, because it was so chaotic, I just, I love that that environment. I mean, think about you have 50 to 60 people playing in the biggest sports event, the top three in the world. I mean, you got World Cup, you got the Olympics, and you got Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Mm-hmm. But you have a group of 60 people, and only a fraction of them have ever done this before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a lot of one-offs. Mm. And, and but but you get you get pulled into this, and, and it forces you to just be on be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, all of a sudden, they're like, "Hey, let's do a zip line across the Mississippi." I'm like, "Uh, what? Uh, Kona?" Like, <laughs> Wait, uh, like you need to build the the, the ticketing site because we're gonna we're gonna do it. We found somebody who will put up the the, the towers. I'm like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I mean, uh, you know. And then I had a guy say like, "Hey, we're gonna land about 1,500 private planes into the Twin Cities area." For the two weeks around the Super Bowl, we need to build a website where you can pick your time slot of when you want to fly in and out. I'm like, ah, ah, what? And, oh, and it can't get hacked. Oh, you know, I'm like, yep. never, never done that. <laughs> didn't know, you know, when you get out of bed, I didn't know that was, but it's so cool to kind of be a part of that and to just, all right, let's do it. It's like the Apollo just... 13. It's like, we need this CO2 yeah. converter thing. Oh. And they throw all the shit on the table and you're like, all right, get her, give me the duct tape. I got the Phillips head. And you just, just do it. You, you just make it happen. You just figure just, it out, adjust, and go. Yeah. It makes you feel young. So even mm-hmm. while I'm in that room with all these twenty somethings, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm one of them, because because they're good with it. If they're good with it, I got to be good with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we <laughs> recently figured out. Like, oh, our podcast does this uh, is a service for people in the fact that like Andrew and I have started this like almost two years ago, and it was just us trying new things mm-hmm. every single week, identifying where we were average and then trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's like, okay, people are listening to this and starting to catch on. They're starting right. to catch our drift a little bit. And what it really boils down to is like we're helping people get or have confidence yep. in just the unknown behind trying something new totally. and just being comfortable with that. Right. So you're totally crushing in well, that and, message. And employers, whoever they are, whether you want to, you guys work for a company or you want to be hired by a company, they want people who can deal with chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like, gosh, I wonder if I should hire Declan, but what if I have to throw his ass over for an assignment in, in Korea? Fine. This guy lives on the edge all the time. Right. 
And they're like, I'm definitely going to pick that person versus the person that has done kind of the same job every day and a maximizer, refiner kind of person. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh-uh, we're going we're gonna to mess with them if we throw them into something different. Right. So you're, you, in what you've done, are going to be really appealing to whoever get, is lucky enough to hire you guys to do whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, man. And uh, going back to Gino and yeah. what Gino is, what's in your back pocket as a person, as a professor? Mm-hmm. What do you carry around, whether it's, uh, again, this kind of relies on the average quality, but more so this is you. Yeah. What's in your back pocket when stress becomes, pre- or when pressure becomes stress and anxiety is building? Right. Um, it, it is hands down one thing, and it's prioritization. It is about saying no. Um, and I was interesting, I was listening to your podcast with the with Bauhaus guys and about how you got to say yes to everything. And, mm-hmm. and at where you are at, yes, say every, yes to everything. Just where I'm at, I mean, I'm a business of one. I've been in business by myself for 15, almost 15 years now. My, I can't scale because it's just me mm-hmm. and my hours. And, and I've got partners that I work with, but we're still a small band of people. And the ability to say no and to clearly say no is so empowering so that whatever you say yes to, you can say hell yes to and swing for the fences. And it's, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's a huge shift. I mean, when you said, what do I have in my back pocket? I literally have it in my bag. <laughs> There's a book by a guy named Greg McEwen called uh, Essentialism. And this is my Bible. A discipline Pursuit of Less. Yeah. I have that. Oh, I read good. it. It's awesome. It's In fact, yeah. I don't have Discerning any. Discerning the, uh, the vital few. Yep. And, the and, trivial and, many from the vital few. Yep. Yeah, and it talks about, you know, the, you can never underestimate the unimportance of practically everything mm-hmm. and the ability to say no. That That's my Bible. Right on. And, and I think, um, thank goodness, because I can't say yes unless I say no to a whole bunch of stuff. And that's that same strategy stuff that you saw in that class, we mm-hmm. that you saw the presentation. We, we brainstormed to the ends of the earth all the opportunities for Winstar. Winstar. Um, and then we cut like crazy. Like a lot of people brainstorm to about here and then they panic and then they cut to about here. Like, don't do that. Don't brainstorm to here and cut to here. Brainstorm to here and cut to here. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the thing, only the things you're doing are the things that are essential because we, sometimes we, we justify being busy. Oh, I can't do, I gotta, I gotta get this done. It's like, no, do you really have to get this done? Mm. And when you say no to that's like, it's like, you know, I, I, (laughs) this might be inappropriate, but you talk about when you break up with somebody that you've been meaning to break up with a long time. You finally do it and it feels like, oh, what the hell was I waiting for? And you're probably doing both, you and them, a a service by shutting it down. But we have this bit where we just like to keep things going and kind of, hey, are we going to do that? Hey, we might do that. And and then you come back. And I know damn well we're not going to do whatever you're asking me if we're going to do it. And then you come back and you go, Gino, I thought you said we're going to do it. And I said, I said we might. And like what you heard is do it. What I heard me say is might. And it's a huge miss. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this book has, has given me the justification to say no. And it, it's, I hate, I hate saying no, but I, I love it the minute after I mm-hmm. do it. Instead of saying might. Exactly. Saying no. Especially when you mm-hmm. know damn well you're not sure. going to. I mean, yep. his, one of his quotes in there is just say, it's so disingenuous. And we do it all the time in corporate America. We're going we're gonna to try. We'll try it. We'll try to get it in there. It's like bullshit. If you know you're not going to do it, then just stand up and say we're not going to do it because it. We have a lot of great ideas, and this is that was a good idea. We we're going to go with the great ones, mm-hmm. and it talks. And my whole strategy thing that we learned in our class talks about impact, assessing the impact and the burden of every action you take. 
and make sure it's really worth it. It either has to be really high impact to justify the high burden, okay? But ideally, if you could find something that's high impact, low burden, go for it. But a lot of the good stuff's gonna take a lot of work, so it better be damn worth it. Mm -hmm. I have so many clients that say, hey, Gina, will you help us make an app? I say, if you need to do an app. No, no, we wanna do an app. Everybody's got one. I'm like, that's not a good reason to have one. We wanna win an award. That's not a good reason to have one. If we do an assessment with your customers, we look at your competition, and, and we feel like we should do one, then we're gonna do one, and we're gonna hit it out of the park. But we're not gonna do one just to say we're gonna do one. Even if we find an easier way to get it done. Nobody's got the heartbeats. You gotta have the why. It's gotta make sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my, that's my go-to, and I apply it to everything. That impact and burden assessment. So if you guys wanna say, hey, let's go get some beers afterwards, I'm like, okay, where could we go? One place has got really good beer, but it's a pain in the ass to park, so impact and burden, versus another place that's convenient, not great selection, but maybe that's the better choice. Mm -hmm. But let's not have it be your idea versus your idea. Let's get it into, into some measurable thing. And I mean, I know it sounds like I'm like, you know, applying numbers to everything, but sometimes you gotta do that. Yep. And just either either subtly or, like what you guys gotta figure out your next move as, as the podcast is, we can go this direction, we can do, go this direction. What's the impact of going this direction versus the burden? What's the impact versus burden of that direction? And you can make a really good decision that way. Because you can only go one direction. You can't spin forever talking about what you could do. Yeah. And it, I love where you're, what you're kind of unpacking too is like you, you as a 50-year-old man, assuming. Two, um, 52. 52, yep. okay. All right. Looking like you're like 40 maybe. Hey, right. 40, dude. Um, but... <laughs> It's all about, it all kind of comes back to time. Like for you, yeah. you have your family, oh. you got your kids, you got yep. teaching, you have all these other, you have yourself, you know, all these things that you're trying to balance where yeah. for me and Andrew, it's go yeah. to work during the day and podcast at night. You right. know, right. the nine to five is our oh. day job. The five to nine is our podcast. That's awesome. And uh, it's easy for us to say mm -hmm. yes. And there's so much, cause we just see everything as an opportunity. Exactly. And that's why you answered the question in the podcast. Like, we, you got to say yes to everything because you have capacity to say yes to everything. Sure. Right. I love that. It's a great strategy. At some point, there's going to be a Mrs. Declan, and there may be little Declans, and there might be a band or two that you want to play in. Like, I was in seven bands for a long time. You're no oh, yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, it gets ridiculous after a couple, right? Yeah. And it's like rehearsals all the time. But I love it. No, but you got to. You gotta scale it back and mm -hmm. and make sure that every every one of those things is worth your time because that's all I got is time. Yep. I mean, I, I, so yeah. so let's touch on the band just briefly because oh, you brought it up. You yep. have seven <clears throat> bands, dude. Not anymore. Okay, so um, when did you start playing the drums? Like, what's the kind of the backstory? Just I can't love? remember not. There you go. I can't remember not. I can't remember not having drums in my life. I mean, it was it started. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the Sears catalog. It was a catalog that Sears, ironically, they just bought. Yeah, no, right. Uh, their big thing was they would they would kick out like a, a three inch catalog at the at the holidays, and that would be you would just go and circle and you know all the pages you wanted stuff out of. Mm -hmm. And around page one twelve, there was always a drum set, just about page one hundred, and I would get the Sears drum set, and yeah. literally it would make it from Christmas to about New Year's, and I'd be like through all the heads and. And wait another eleven months, and then get the Sears catalog, and then get the little bit nicer one, you know. And again, oh, I would just trash it. And the next year, a little nicer one. Finally, you know, this is like you know when I was like six or something. I finally got a really nice drum set, and I still have it. Oh, my. I still have it. So forty six years, 
I've had this drum set with me. Just banging on the drums just, all day? Yeah, now it's not the one I use normally, but it, I have it yeah. at the house, and my kids use it now. Um, but it's, it's always been there for me. And as many times as I've jumped around between sales and ops and marketing and entrepreneurship, drums have, have been the, the steady. In fact, I was at a like a church retreat, and they gave us some time to just sort of um, reflect. Uh, and actually, the one the reason I went on this mission trip is I'm like I heard that they give you 20 minutes every morning by yourself, and that because I was I was you I was just running around crazy. I'm like I want to do this mission trip just because it'll guarantee me 20 minutes of just myself, mm -hmm. and I, and that was the intrigue. And so I just I literally sat by my drum set and I'm like, I've been with you. It's like my twin brother. I'm like, I've been with you for longer than anybody in this world other than my brother and my sister. And it's been it's been the steady. And it, it, it brings me, uh, it allows me to be creative. It allows me to hone a craft. It allows me to do something with others that share a common, there's a huge camaraderie in a band. Um, and I love to perform. I love to make people happy. And I play a lot of um, music at church and it's like the drummer can see, it's like the catcher in baseball. You see the whole field. You're the captain. So I'm drumming and I see people that, that hear the music we're playing that are crying and it's comforting them. And then I see other people that are just beaming with excitement and it's just bringing this excitement better. It's like bringing it to 11 or whatever. Um, and I, I love what music does for me and I love what it does for others. So it's just, if you took it away from me, it, it, would, it would kill my spirit. It would kill my spirit. So every Thursday night, the boys, we, and, and girl, we have Becky as our, one of our singers. We blow the carbon out every Thursday. Yes. <laughs> my, yes. my kids have been going to bed to a kick drum in their head every Thursday for their whole life. It's like a no glass way. of warm milk because on Thursday nights, I mean, literally, because our house isn't soundproof in that kick drum. I mean, I got a PA down there. I'm putting a subwoofer in there. And, oh. and it just, you know, the, the windows, you know, just shaking. Shake, yeah. yeah. The wine glasses are right. Totally. Yeah. And and it's 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 my happy place. You have yeah. a resilient wife. I, uh, amazing <clears throat> wife. She's so supportive of it. And oh, my God. She probably has the hardest time sleeping of all of them. But the, the kid, And all my kids are musicians, so it's stuff that we do together. I mean, yep. That's uh, really we, cool. We, we do concerts, and, and they're... Got a, my son is a senior and he's going to apply to music school. And no way! Oh, I know, and it's so funny. When I was Dude. in college, I remember I was getting my ass kicked in engineering. I remember I was like, "Gosh, what if I just did this music thing?" So I called my dad and I said, "Hey, Dad, I need a time when you're going to be available for a, a serious conversation. So be make sure you you're you're not distracted." He's like, "All right, seven o'clock Tuesday, whatever." So I call him up. I'm like, "He goes, what do you want to talk about?" I said, "Well, you know, Dad, this engineering stuff's just kicking." And what I really love is music. So I'd like to drop engineering and go into music. And he said to me, and he's like, you're crazy. You're, you're not, you're not, you love it, but you're not that good at it. And that's, remember what I said earlier? I'm like, mm -hmm. he what said you, that to you? Oh, totally. And he was right. I didn't even know how to read music. I barely know how to read music now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and he said, the day your, your, your hobby becomes your career, you might not love it as much as you do. Mm. Let it be the thing that gets you through your career. And I can't tell you how many times I was, you know, come home from work frustrated and beat the crap out of the drums for like two hours and just, just come upstairs like I had just jumped in a pool. And I'm like, everything's good. I mean, there isn't a problem in the world that kicking the crap out of the drum set for two hours won't completely wipe away, right? Talk about what's in your back pocket. It's that drum set. It, yeah. It's that honing piece. It's yeah. that it, grounding it, piece. It, it's, the, yeah. it's the happy place. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the happy Gilmore happy yeah, place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the irony is now my son, who's, you know, my wife's a business major. I was an engineer. 
you know, he wants to go to music school. And we're like, of course. Because you, you love it and you're really good at it. That I didn't have that. Right. I would have, I would not have been successful. So your average quality is also kind of drumming. But in yeah. your back pocket, yeah. it's also kind of drumming. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That's awesome. very cool. There you go. Love that. Man. Yes. Yeah. That is so cool. Like, I, oh, just the idea of you just sweating your ass off playing oh. drums every Thursday is like the coolest mm-hmm. visualization mm-hmm. I'm drawing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I slay them. I mean, I hit them hard. <laughs> I, actually, all my cymbals right now are cracked. No. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to replace them. I'm like, that, screw it, dude. dude well, you I'm, earn those cracks. They sound better when they're broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so we got a sweet game. Game alert. Throw, game. Oh, game. So I just want to uh, say real quick. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Andrew. I accidentally sent him the game. Oh yeah, yeah I just copy and paste his email. Usually, don't send our guests okay. the game. Okay, um, but we know you're a digital marketing guru. Actually, yeah. cut the digital, dude. You're a marketing yes, guru. Thank you. You're never. You're just. You're a good dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to just have you kind of rate the marketing stuff that we've done. Yep. Um, we're actually just coming off one marketing scheme that we legit planned for a month. Right. Which is getting us somewhere, but we just want to bounce off rate right on one to ten. Yep. The back pocket marketing schemes. Andrew, start us off. Yeah. So the, the name of the segment is uh, Gino Two Cents. Okay. So like just that. give us our two, your two cents. Okay. Our first thing that we kind of kickstarted our marketing budget. Yep. We said let's throw a party yep. and have koozies that have an arrow pointing up saying "Average Beer Guy," and we're <laughs> going to attach these koozies to a red solo cup, and we're going to have a kegger. And we're going to have them buy the cups for the beer, but it's going to have a koozie attached to it. So it's going to be a little more expensive to buy these red cups. So we're gonna, and then the the, influ, the the charging of those cups to come into our party ended up funding our marketing for the next three months. So, it did? Really? Yes. Yeah. We made like 350 Oh, I should have not, I should have not told you the ending. I should have said, well, what would you okay, see? So, yeah, how, do you, how do you see this going? <laughs> so by putting the koozie on the red cup, you increase the, the perceived value of the... Well, it was Correct. just like a back pocket party, but you got a koozie with. You get with to keep your, your koozie. Wait, yeah. Was it branded? Oh, yeah. yeah. Had a logo on it. Said "Average Beer Guy" pointing up. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. There's some dirty ones back there still. Um, I'll take one after. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's good. I think it's it's clever. It's it's tongue in cheek. It's it's not overly um, sophisticated. It's just okay. kind of Sweet. it gets at the raw essence of everyone loves beer. Yep. Average guy. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So here we go. Um, our listeners are. Our marketing interns. Mm-hmm. So we call every listener a marketing intern because they listen to our podcast. They love it. They'll go tell their mom, their dad, their friend, their friends of friends yep. about our podcast, thus marketing our podcast via word of mouth. I like so it. What, do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I guess the biggest problem for... Let him judge it. Let him judge it and let him see if he can see yeah, the pros yeah, Let's see if you can it. see a pro. Well, I, I, I just... When you told me about this, well, you, you wrote about the interns, I, I saw... I went a different way with it in the, the sense that interns are, are there to learn. Like mm. your audiences are, are learning or using this podcast to learn something they don't know. Mm, I like and, that. And therefore, they are sort of an intern. Right on. It may not be being paid because there's a, there's a, uh, a perception that they, they're still in the learning mode. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I, I thought you called them interns is because oh. we're, we're trying to learn something more than we know today. Yes. To improve our market value, if you will. I love that perspective. Yes. Because yeah, we're like, put it on your resume. Right. Because you know you're listening to the back pocket, you're an intern now, yeah. and you're you're marketing it to your your neighbor. Well, in an and you're now you're learning. For, yes. Yeah. In an interview, then they say, "What what experience do you have?" Well, I've been an intern at you know back pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm, I always tell my students like, "This is your story to tell. Tell it however you want. I mean, it has to be obviously accurate, but mm-hmm. but but if they're part of this community because they're trying to learn, I think you got to tell that message. So I, I think it works. So I love that introduced like perspective too, because it's. I mean, you're 
definition of a marketing intern mm-hmm. still is entirely within the realm of our podcast. Right, exactly. Like, it makes total sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Where we kind of, like, not we didn't screw up, but we just more more or less <laughs> just, uh, we, we just haven't got that message across consistently. So we had, we met with uh, an ex-St. Thomas, well, a St. Thomas alum who's mm-hmm. working in marketing, mm-hmm. and she's helping us out with our business plan. And she was like, so I listened to your podcast for, at three hours at the airport when right. she's rating missed her flight because she was listening right. so intently, right. you know, and she's oh, like, my first, my first, um, question is what is a marketing intern? And Andrew and I just looked at each other like, Oh, we do not do a good enough job oh. of letting people know like what actually is a marketing mm-hmm. intern. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. And I also wouldn't, um, discount the value of if you call someone, one of your own, like an intern, yeah, mm-hmm. that they become an advocate for you. Like I, I remember, uh, when I worked at Carlson companies and, and, you know, let's say sales weren't where they wanted them to be. But Marilyn was like, look, we have 150,000 employees. If you guys just go to TGI Fridays every once in a while and stay in a Radisson hotel every once in a while, it's like, if you guys just use the service, the service will be better. And, or you refer people to mm-hmm. TGI Fridays or Country Inns and Suites or Radisson. We, we can do this amongst us just by pure referral. Mm-hmm. Where So if you have the numbers that you have, let them be advocates for you. And they'll do that because they feel like they're a part of it. Right. Yeah. So I think, I that's, like that. I think that's smart. Awesome. All right. Yep. The last one. Yes. So I'll give you a little bit of a background prior to the mm-hmm. the, uh, the purpose. The pur- I'll give you the purpose. Okay. So the Back Pocket Podcast, like I said, we started in my um, side room up in uh, at St. At Thomas. And we all of our friends knew we did a podcast. Okay. We wanted to throw an event, host a party that showed what the back pocket has become. We're not just these two knuckle, we're, we're still these two knuckleheads goodness, creating yeah. a podcast, yeah. absolutely yeah. full-heartedly. Yet there's now this professionalism to the knuckleheadness. Yeah. Okay, so how can we do that? We want to throw another party just like that that kegger with the, the koozies. Yep. This time it's going to be a little bit more pricey. Yep. Um, we're going to have, and let me let me hear how you think this would go. We're going to have a band play in our backyard at the end of October, um, outside in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have we're going to find and we're going to again sell that that beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're and we're going to find a way to come out on top. Right. How do you see that going? I love that because the the backyard band parties are a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it brings back this notion of community and those, those, that community can be become part of your ad, advocacy group. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's funny when I turned 40, my wife said, what do you want to do for your 40th birthday? And I just, I, I'm like, I don't know. She goes, think about it. Just think about it. And I came back to her and I said, I want to have a backyard band party where I play on stage with my friends for all my friends. And, and, and she's like, in our backyard, what, don't you want to rent a bar? Don't you want? I'm like, no, no, no. I want, I want neighbors to come over. I want people to be able to walk across the street with a, with a red cup. And just because it's like the Pied Piper. I, just, I want them to just hear that something's going on that's atypical, and they want to be a part of it. What happened that night? We had people that our neighbors that live behind us that we've never met for five years showed up. And the woman's like, I have a son. He'd love to babysit your kids. He became our nanny for two summers. And, and he was on the other side of a fence. So this notion like of, of a game changer backyard band party that brings people together 
live music, cops coming. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had I had the police coming during the sound check. I'm like, if you think this is bad, wait till <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> and we had it. We actually called it Gino Palooza. We had it for a couple of years. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. into a recurring event. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're on. We're doing the Evite, and all of a sudden, I just send it out. All of a sudden, you know, it's like one of those commercials. Like all of a sudden, you see RSVP, RSVP. I'm like, all of a sudden, we got like. You had like 380 people coming and 200 of them were kids. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, but you know what? We got to do it. And we did it for a couple of years and it was awesome. And people say to this day, like, when are you going to bring Gino Palooza back? And for, for good reason, we, we didn't keep yeah. it going. Okay. Um, as those same kids get older and now mm -hmm. kegs, you got to be a little careful. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it's awesome that you kind of break the mold and have this non-traditional thing that brings people together around music and beer. I think right it's on. brilliant, and I like you know I, I did get your Facebook invitations for it, and the and the teasers about you know procrastinating in college. I mean, your messaging was spot on for your client, your customer base, and um, I thought it was clever. Um, you did sort of a, a scarcity and the two for one thing. And, yep. Uh, I I thought <laughs> I, I you know the the, the 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 we call it the drip line campaign worked really well. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. And, thank but you. one thing that does come with the drip line campaign yeah, yeah. is like holy cow, build some anxiety because you yeah, were sure. sitting here yeah. like Tuesday before the party and yeah. we got like thirty people signed up to come. I'm like, oh man, oh, we yeah. had at least like a hundred. Yeah. And we ended up getting it done. You know, great great finish to the whole story. It yeah. worked out great, but. I, the day we asked the band to come on, I went to bed that night like, yep. shit, did we get distracted by the shiny things? Like, we're literally you know going to spend yep. all of this month, these next four weeks, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's podcasting, but also like... Event planning. Event planning. We mm -hmm. don't, we're podcasters. We don't do that. But then I was like, okay, this it. is, we can do you it. You can totally do it, and then it, it may change the game. And you'd never know if you didn't try. Right. I mean, I had the same anxiety. All of a sudden, the sound guy comes in. He goes, where can I get 220? I'm like, oh, my God. Why? He's like, well, I got to put the lights in. I'm like, didn't even think about the lights. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, you know, it's like the cops are coming. And it's like, oh. No, but you got to push it. You got to push it to know that what you're capable of doing. Awesome. And be uncomfortable with being, you were uncomfortable. Yep, we were. <clears throat> was it a success? 100%. Right. Yes. It was worth it. Yeah. It was a damn success. So when's the next one? That's exactly the question. Yeah. That's it starts now. That starts now. <laughs> it starts before, now before it gets too cold. Yeah. Well, well, we it, won't have anything for the rest of the year. I don't. Okay. Think. Yeah. I don't know. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. We haven't really talked about it yet. To be honest, we uh we were just finishing counting our money and whatnot. Trying to <laughs> get all that. Did you hit out. your goal? All right. Well, we really our goal was just like all right, man. If we have to split it like one fifty each to you know pay the band off or whatever, sure. But yeah, the goal was to break. Even. Yeah, we broke even. Anyway, I, we hit our goal for sure. Yeah, um, it was fun. It was awesome. Was it a was it a goal around getting awareness? Or, yes. Okay. Yeah. It was it wasn't all promote marketing. Okay. Correct. Yep. yep. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, hey, that was our game. That was our game. Oh, okay. We crushed yeah, it. The Gino Two Cents. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Gino mm -hmm. Palooza. That's really what I. Like. That was we fun. Gotta, oh my gosh. <laughs> sounds like we need to get Gino Palooza well, fired back. It's funny when you mentioned yeah. the when you mentioned the permit downstairs. Yeah. Because when St. Louis Park, we got a permit a couple of years, and then they stopped giving us the permit. Stop giving you like they specifically. Wouldn't, they wouldn't let us get one because there's oh. too many complaints. No, because they never wanted to give you the permission to do exactly what the permit gives you permission to do, which is to play live music. Yeah. So they stopped issuing. That's part of the reason that it shut down. Okay. But for a couple of years, I wanted to make a T-shirt, and that I had the permit on the back. So if the cops came and they said you got a permit, 300 people would turn their back and go, "Yep, it's right there." Oh, <laughs> you know, I like that. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Speaking, of, I mean, you just have. You have so much experience. You have so much. Uh, just you're you're witty, man, and it's just fun to listen to you through this past hour and five minutes. Just been awesome. 
um, wow. kind of wrapping up the show, right? Yeah. Uh, I just like for the back pocket. You've you've been loosely involved with our podcast for almost a year mm-hmm. now. Any sort of like advice or maybe just advice to a couple wildly average guys and people out there yeah. that are just graduated. You know, oh boy. I, first of all, I, I love what your guys are doing. I think that the entrepreneurship energy and the creative energy is is incredible. I, it, it makes me envious of, of the times when I, in my twenties when I could do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so so kudos to you guys. And I, I think what it's really going to come down to is kind of where does this go from here, and is it is it truly sort of a, a popcorn kind of hey we got this guy from Bauhaus and we got this. Super Bowl guy from here, and we got the next week. We got a guy who runs a you know doggy daycare or whatever it is. Um, somehow, maybe trying to find some tracks um, where it could almost be like um, you know this quarter we're going to be diving into some topic that has consistency from podcast to podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Almost like how churches do, like this this quarter we're going to study this and we're going to study that, and maybe that would help get some momentum from. Um, from show to show mm-hmm. because right now maybe it's a little bit more it's really cool that it's sort of popcorn you know it's like oh yeah we got this and then, oh then we got that and then we have this dance party but maybe some kind of threads that that kind of hold it together so that um, your audience kind of can get some momentum and, and to stay with it the, the downside is you might lose some people if the if the track you go down doesn't hit home for everybody and then you gain right? others yeah, but but yeah, you're gonna you you, you hopefully hope will, hopefully yeah. do. But what you also do though, that those that stay with you are gonna be a lot more engaged. Sure. Right. So it's like we were talking. I literally had this conversation with um, uh, Lauren Crawford. Yeah. She was in my office a couple hours ago. Oh. And we're talking about email because we have we're, we're studying that. And she talked about opt-ins and opt-outs. I was like, you know, certain times, it, uh, I'm a big opt-in guy. I don't want people to to accidentally feel like I opted them in because they didn't take an action to opt out. And I say, you know, the, the, the downside is you'll get less people if you do an opt-in campaign. But those that you get are with you because they chose to be with you because they like what you do. You didn't trick them. Like an opt-out where they have to actually have to consciously take themselves off the yes. list. Yes, Um, You'll get a lot more people. You know, Lauren's like, what are the pros and cons? I'm like, yeah, you know, an opt-out, you're going to get a shit ton of people, but they're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna opt out right away because you tricked them once kind mm-hmm. of thing. And not that you're tricking, but, um, you know, maybe if you guys kind of settle in on sort of a, a theme um, that again people can lock onto and then it then there's continuity from how often do you do this once a week once a month uh, we have Every three day? podcasts a week three a day three weeks yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so what do you guys think of that that's a, the, you're spot on okay. and hearing that from you yep. continues to reinforce where season three will be headed oh. so we're wrapping it up we'll wrap it up here in the middle of December yeah. and then take our like holiday yeah uh, rejuvenation, J term, if you hiatus. want to call it hiatus, sabbatical. Okay. It's about yeah, you mm-hmm. you deserve it. Yep, because we've yeah. put this is this is episode thirty nine. Oh my gosh! Of um, a Monday two. of a Monday podcast. So we've done thirty nine straight weeks <laughs> with a podcast on Monday, and now we've done uh, the this week will be sixteen Thursday podcast in a row. Yep. Those are our marketing intern spotlights where our listeners, right. our learners, right. come on the show and talk about how awesome they are because we give the oh. opportunity to bring them on. Yeah. Um, so taking a time away from that because that literally takes up every week. We start a month, we start on Sunday, like how, how does this week going to look? Instead yeah. of how is this year going to look, yeah. got to take a break, so rejuvenate, that, and that exact that piece of advice right there 
we will listen to this yeah, in, come and, December and kind of just take our golden nugget. Yeah, and, and ask them what they want to hear. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it, it's like when we when we do when we build websites, we ask the customers, what, what functionality are you looking for? Yeah. Where do you want us to spend our money? Because it's got to serve your needs. But it also, I ask the business, like you two, and say, like, well, what do you want out of this deal? Well, I don't, I want to talk about these topics. And they want you to talk about those same topics. So now you've got a win-win. Um, you know, it could it could be an interesting direction to yes. go where it, it starts to have a little brand play where it's a certain content that you're going to cover. Yeah, and and that's where like this is the I mean we're talking today on October 29th, but today is the first day we released our um, our survey. Like oh, our yeah. our analytics that we've only got is downloads, and now we have a, a survey for people to take, and so we can like do some market research, understand who our audience is. Were you going to jump in on something? No, I was going to say, go ahead and take that survey. It's linked in the show notes. Oh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's in the show notes and the details of this podcast. Definitely take the survey because we want to make the content the best we can for our, our marketing yeah. interns. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that was like the first step for us. Yeah. Um, just kind of saying, okay, hey, we've, we've built an audience. We have no idea what it is. We've just been doing it for fun. But now right. let's put some intention behind it to see what people actually like. Yeah. You know, we have so much content out there. We have such a wide variety of guests and everything and you know andrew and i think we have this really great message right um but let's see what our audience yeah says. and maybe maybe they, they might opt to have it be exactly how it is where it's a little bit of pot potpourri where you're not really sure what you're going to get yeah um but if they do have some themes that they are really looking for you to go deeper on then more power let, to it and then mm-hmm. they're part of the show Yes. You know, then it's like, I'm doing this, be- we're doing this because this is what you asked us to do. Mm-hmm. Right. The least you could do is listen and send, invite three people every time or whatever it exactly. is. So they're part of it. Well, and I also like kind of the shock value of like one week it's this and then, oh my gosh, oh, you're yeah. getting Gino on. Like, yeah, that's super cool to think about. Um, and next week we're having Dots Pretzels. pretzels. Dots, oh, cool. the, the founder of Dots Pretzels, yeah. Um, yeah. which are yeah, phenomenal pretzels. Yeah, and there, and there is something pretzels. really cool to that. There's yes. totally something cool to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I'm getting at is like the the theme behind it is like what you've said today and just this – you said comfortable with being uncomfortable. Well, mm-hmm. back in July, um, probably podcast 20-something of this ep- mm-hmm. of this season, Giselle Ugardi, what's her average – or what's in her back pocket? Being right. comfortable with – with being un- or being comfortable with being uncomfortable, oh, we've yeah. had these reoccurring themes, themes yeah. through people's story, mm-hmm. and that's what Andrew and I just love talking about: is unpacking people's story, figuring out how they got from one point to the other, and through that, these themes come up, these clues, these mm-hmm. clues from success are all Good embedded nice. in there, mm-hmm. and that is like that's the theme, like that's that's why we've done the the popcorn effect to show yeah. and reinforce, yeah. right. like, hey, a St. Thomas teacher. Um, 52-year-old guy who loves to play the drums has unbelievable um, connection, prepar- connection to, to, to Giselle Ugardi of Go 96 <laughs> Radio. Yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. But, uh, yeah, that's so cool. And that's why we love doing this, and that's why we are going to continue to do it. And uh, it's been an hour 12, an hour, nice. hour and 12 minutes. Thank you so much for joining us. You're we welcome. have one final question yes, for sir. you. And this goes back to the whole theme of what you kind of embody. What did you learn today? Simple question. From the time that you woke up to when we're having this conversation now, um, you you have the ability to absorb one maybe fact, maybe one kind of experience. What would that learning wow. tidbit be? I I think it's it's you gotta you gotta enjoy every day you got. There's been a couple things in our in my life um, uh, with with people and health, and it's just um, every day you wake up, you're glad you woke up, and you gotta make the best of it. So it's it's a little bit kind of grounding. 
in that regard. So it's not a big epiphany, but it's just remember every day is a gift because mm-hmm. you never know. I think that's a helpful reminder. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's powerful too. It is. It is, and it it it'll, it reinforces all this other stuff. So you better be doing the right stuff, right? And you better be willing to be uncomfortable, and you gotta live in the moment and and not hope for tomorrow because you never know uh, about tomorrow. So make the best of the day. Right on. Right Thank on. you so much, Gina. Rock and roll. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's a wrap. Gino, thank you. You're you're the man. Thank you so much for joining us. It took us a long time to get you on, but boy, was it our honor Joe to sit down. Jovanelli. Yes. It, it kind of hurt my feelings to a sense that I couldn't remember. It hurt like I was just personally hurt because I couldn't figure his last name out and I'm Italian. Like that's just unacceptable in my roots. It's okay, man. I I like immediately I locked it in like right when you said it a couple times. So I was like, "Okay, I think I got this. I think I got it." And then when you were like stumbling, I was like, "All right, let's just We'll figure it out. Yeah. The bond, he, he was talking about like Bon Jovi is spelled the same way as, how does it even like Jovanelli and Bon Jovi. And then I was like, all right. Jo- that was kind of a tongue twister. It was a tongue twister. Yeah. But hey, we're on the back end. Thank you, marketing interns, for making it this far. We really do appreciate the time you spent with us so far. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, one more, one more shout out to Gino. Just like you asked the question, what's in your back pocket? And I think he brought the energy of that podcast like up a couple notches after you asked that. So, so good work on your end. Good, po- good podcasting. Good question. Hey, thanks, man. Um, but yeah, we're here on the back end. Here we are. We always finish for the new guys, for the new marketing interns, the new listeners. Those are our marketing interns. This is where Andrew and I are at our best, man. We finish with an average quality. A what did you learn? A feel good story. Three quick segments, and we'll get you on on uh, on after your, the rest of your Monday. Um, so, what do we got for our average quality this week? Average quality for November 5th, 2018 is a post-party kind of uh, reflection. And I think on my end, my average quality was balancing the unknown of when to start the band. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you start the party at 1.30. And or for, f- prior to that, the party was phenomenal. That's what I need to say. I need to say that first and foremost. We did well. I think we did well. I know we did well. I know we did well. That I mean, awesome. that was awesome. We got a ton of sweet feedback already. I mean, oh, that was killer. But, but during the party, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, just letting it letting it fly, letting it go. Just We, we had the pieces in place, just letting it happen. Mm-hmm. And when it hit 2.30 when we wanted to play the music and it, it was like yeah, 40% full, mm-hmm. I was like, we got to wait. But when is the right time? And then we just kind of like, we ended we settled on 3.33 and it was like 90% packed at that point. Yam House came on, played the national anthem. We just got it rolling from there. Yeah. But the, that little hour period of like when to play, I was like, ah, just trying to tell people like, hey, be patient. Let's wait it out. Let's let the crowd get. Let's let the crowd build because we didn't have an opener. So that was my average quality. I think uh, I could definitely attest to that. But I also was kind of preparing for it in the sense of like people were asking us all like coming up to the party like, hey, what time does the party start? What time does the party start? I'm like, well, it starts at one thirty. And they're like, the band's actually coming on at one thirty. I was like. You know, that's not necessarily the case. The, the fact that they didn't go on until two hours after we started the party, I mean, that's a little different. But I, I liked how we, um, I think that's one thing we did really well, was not set that precedent until an hour before, essentially. But the anxiety was building when you got people asking you at 2.30, 2.45, 2.50, 3.20, what time's a and we just said 333 we're doing doing it live we're doing it live that was awesome um and then i think my average quality was uh at the end of the party 
or when the band finished and we gave them one more song, the encore, of course, our original plan was, okay, let's move the party inside and let Yamhouse, you know, clear the space for Yamhouse to take down their stage and all their equipment. Um, so that could be an efficient process. So I get up on stage and everyone's still having a blast. The kegs just got tapped and I go, all right, um, thank you all for coming. What an absolute blast. I think I said something else in there and I was like, all right, so now let's, uh, let's take this party inside. And, uh, Andrew from the, from the middle of the crowd go, no, we're staying outside. Let's keep them outside. And you're like, oh, well, let's keep them outside. All right, then. Uh, go inside if you like to. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, dude, Yo, we, chill we, out. we kept like the weather was great. We kept everyone outside the whole time. Let's not ruin our house and drag all this mud in from the rain before the night before. And I was like, dude, no, let's not, no, no. And then you're just like, oh, maybe if you want to go inside, you can. I was like, oh, you knucklehead. Oh, I was like, shit. I should have yeah. just kept with it. But hey. They didn't go inside. They didn't? Yeah. I mean, until it got, a couple people. Yeah, until it got extremely dark and then people went inside. Yeah. It was so much fun, too. While the band was taking down, dude, we just got to DJ on their massive speakers and just take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to our bouncer who got everyone in and out of that party flawlessly had no issues there no issues we i bought 100 uh wristbands and we had 99 of them put on he might have missed a few people here and there because i think there was over 100 but uh yeah that's pretty cool we got we got to keep one souvenir like that's what i wanted at the end of the day i wore it to church the next day for whatever reason i don't know just just went ahead and did that um oh another another uh problem not a problem but uh, a concern was when um, our two buddies, Matt Heron and Jack Doomer, went up on the third floor of our the the top of our house. On the allegedly, floor. yeah, allegedly. And oh my gosh, was that scary? Yeah. I, I get scared when I see people up there that are not they're inebriated and at high elevations. That that was just me being the party planner. Like, ooh man, we're liable for this. Mm. But, uh, they got some good shots, good content. It was good content. I I kind of just looked up, got my one picture, and I was like, all right, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. I'm not gonna. This is not, I didn't put this in the project uh, plan, so I'm just going to let this go. Yeah, this is one you can't plan for. Turn the bad. Yeah, turn (laughs) bad and I. Bad and I, that's what I was uh, for. So we tap the kegs um, right when the band ends, and then we're like, okay, we're going to stay outside. What are we going to do? We're not just going to drink water out here. So we got to go get some... uh, (laughs) <laughs> we get some alcohol from a liquor store up the street. You know, quick two-minute drive. It shouldn't take too long. Um, and then that's when uh, we made a whoopsie. Yeah, we forgot our IDs. We forgot our wallets. And we went in there just assuming that we had them in our pockets. Like he thought We were driving, though, by the way. We had a, we had, had a driver. Yeah. And we thought he was going to pay, and I thought I was going to pay. Or the other way around, whatever. And uh, it didn't work out. And we had to get, drive back. And then come and then uh, come back to the liquor store, and there was no kegs left, so we just went in a bunch of cases, and those cases probably lasted in thirty-five seconds. Thirty-five seconds. Yeah, was, I was gonna say minutes, but yeah. No, it was like thirty-five seconds. Well, the the, the savvy move I had was uh, fill the Coors Light on, in the tin cooler that you can't see it in the in the ice, mm-hmm. and then throw the hams on top of it. So then, like, pair it with the hams. Pair it with the hams. So then I knew that I could get my Coors Light Mountains be blue. And uh, everyone else would take the ham. So. Yeah, and then we topped it off with the 24 uh, paps. We we basically made our, like, poor college beer round within the four kinds of beer we got. We got PBR, Pivers. Tall Boys. Tall Boys. We got hams, 
30 rack, um, 24 rack Coors, and then... Miller Lite. Oh, yeah, Miller Lite. High Lights, dude. It was just all-out cheap beer. Why not? Why not? That's Full the Mount Rushmore cheap beer, actually, I'm pretty sure. I think so, it's honestly. Those are the four horsemen. Uh, but all in all, dude, I I can't say enough. Like, you marketing interns, you guys showed out. It was incredible. Yam House, thank you for putting on it. A performance of a lifetime and Bauhaus Brew, your beer supply, rave reviews. Yeah, people loved it. The uh, what was it? Star Star Five, Sky Five. Yeah, Sky and, Five IPA and Home Guys. And home Guys, unbelievable stuff. If you guys are listening to this and are like, oh, I've never tried Bauhaus, go ahead. Those, yeah, get, get on that one. Um, all right. Well, hey, average in a sense, but we had a little bit of success there. You didn't have to brag. Mm-hmm. Broke even to another sweet brag on our end. So hey. Mm-hmm. Go work. Let's see how we can challenge ourselves uh, for the next party. Absolutely. Now now we'll transition here to the What Did You Learn segment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kick it to you, Deck. What did you learn today? Okay, so my day was super boring in corporate world. I, uh, I In the right angle world? In the right angle world, yeah. The, ang- the right angle world, absolutely. And, yeah, man, it was just closing out a bunch of stuff that I had been doing for the last month. And what I realized is... Man, it must have been awesome back in the day, like 20 years ago, when technology wasn't as uh, fluent or efficient as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you had a question and you had to he- handle it in the field, you would just verbalize it, right? And that would be it. You would have your decision and it would you would move on. Um, but now, specifically in construction, you have that same conversation, but then you got to go back and write about it. You got to go and write it down. You got to um, take pictures. You got to document everything, and the documentation adds up so fast. And so that was basically what I was doing: is going through everything that I had documented for particular issues that I had every day, and formalizing them and submitting them to the owner so that they could see what we've been doing for the last thirty weeks. 30 wow. Days. Yeah, and that must have been a tedious yet, like, just eye-opening experience for how long it was. Like, how much was put into it already. Right, and I'm sitting here the whole time like, oh, this is so unnecessary. This is so useless. But I'm sure, like, if we ever went to court or needed that in any way, it it would be useful. So that's kind of the mindset I have to have. Otherwise, if I have that poor mindset, decky documentation is out the window. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, first off, I got a question for you before I ask you um, your, what you what you learned today. Sure. Um, what, what's the status on the stash? Uh, what are we doing here? Today, we're recording on October 31st, oh, so I kind of sc- screwed that up with oh, my yeah. it, with uh, getting this on the uh, the footage okay. because I thought I had one more day. and then. Uh, so you're holding off, though, because I've been going for a month with this thing. It's, yeah. Well, not actually a month, but I've had, to, I've had to get it to this point. You could do this overnight if you wanted to. Exactly. That's so I'll just I could just shave down my sides of my face and pull that off. Yeah, and I think this is my only podcast of this month of November where I can look like the dominant stash guy. Because um, the second you pull out your stash, it's just your your family and you specifically are meant to have stashes. We and I was going to be my what did you, what did I learn? Oh, you did. Okay, so perfect I, transition. I, yeah, what did you learn? What did I learn? I did some research on my family and you know just kind of looking at some old pictures and stuff. And digging my, through the archives. Digging through the archives. This is Movember, and my family owns Movember in a sense that my grandfather and his five brothers, yes, five brother, four, four brothers, um, all repped killer mustaches for their entire adult life. Like, my family lives, breathes, eats. Flavor saver mustache. Dude. Like, it is just incredible. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So when you said like Movember is dominated by um, your legacy or your family's legacy, it's more so just like a year-round standard of Movember. Yes. That's unbelievable. What's like other ways to say? I mean, you've got uh, flavor saver. I'm I'm calling it the upper deck. Mm. Um, the caterpillar. The caterpillar. The broom. The there's broom. A, I like that one. Of, yeah. yeah. The walrus. Yeah. I'm sure your brothers could elaborate some more on that as well. It's mm-hmm. a good point. But hey, that's phenomenal. I'm excited for uh, what's to come there. Finishing, as we always do, on a positive note. That's why we do it. It's the feel good story. Andrew, what do you got for us this week? Feel good story this week. I'm gonna need a little help here, Deck. Um, um, Oh, wait. Here, let me go on the show notes real quick. Um, I'm pretty sure it was... Uh... Oh, don't take every day for granted. That's absolutely it. It comes from Gino. It comes from what he was saying with his What Did You Learn segment. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a perfect little tidbit to end the interview with. I mean, we led you in a little bit. I gave you a little preemptive thing in the 60-second pre-roll. But then that man does not take a day off. Mm-hmm. It's and so cool. It's unbelievable because... I think the mindset that we try to emulate on this podcast and instill in the in the marketing interns is um, just that, and it, it stems from the average quality. It stems from you know trying to look into yourself and see how you can get better every single day, and through that process, you will never take a day for granted. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the result of what we try and do. So, in finishing. I would say definitely don't take any day for granted because you never know what's going to happen. And secondly, I would say um, keep listening to our podcast and keep grinding and keep trying to get yourself better every single day. The war of attrition. We'd love to hear how your growth, just in any, any way, shape, or form, interact with us, take our Qualtrics survey, show us your growth, maybe give some feedback on if we're growing in your eyes. Yeah. Five-star review on iTunes. Show a, show, show a little appreciation if we've earned it. If we've earned it, then uh, maybe send a little five-star away. Yeah. Maybe a review because, you know, people love to read little review action. And then maybe send a, uh, if you see us on Instagram, see a cool post, maybe send that to a friend who doesn't know about us. Or, you know, however you want to go about it. You go about it. It's In- your life. You're living in it. Interact. Be social. We love you guys. Next week, what do we got? Dot pretzels. The CEO of Dots Pretzels, it's coming full circle, baby. It started as uh, Andrew and I picking it up at Target. And just- Maddie C saying, "Yo, try these. We tried them. We've never gone back since. With those are the absolute snack food of a lifetime." Oh my god! And we've fallen in love with not only the pretzels, but we fell in love with Dot herself. The story was un- unbelievable. You guys are gonna love it. Until then, see you next week, 5 a.m. Take care.